And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. So you've done a couple things in life and you, you're now a high achiever. You have done some things that people want to do and you're trying to figure out what you want to do next and how do you move on to personal development? That's what we're going to talk about and a whole lot of other stuff on today's episode of Startup Hustle, which is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. With me today, I've got Joey Klein, and Joey is the CEO and founder at Inner Matrix Systems, specializing in personal development and personal training and coaching. You can learn more at innermatrixsystems.com. That's a lot to type in the browser, so just scroll down to the show notes and click that link. It's right down there near the fullscale.io link, straight out of Denver, Colorado. Joey, welcome to Startup Hustle. Hey, hey, thanks so much for having me. It's awesome to be here, man. Yeah, you know, let's go ahead and, and dive right into today's conversation with a little more about your backstory. Sure thing, man. So I got, I got started. I mean, uh, I don't know, like a lot of people, I didn't set out to grow a business. That wasn't really my intention, my plan. My story really started with, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of suffering and not knowing what I wanted to do in my life. I remember I was in my uh, my freshman year of of college. And I was partying a lot harder than most. And I remember my first semester, I had a 4.0. I was on the dean's list. And then I dropped out second semester because I really just didn't understand uh, what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. Um, Got heavy into drinking and partying and drugs and the whole scene. Um, And, you know, I was real clear at a point that I probably wouldn't be around, you know, for another year if I continued driving the way that I was because I was definitely, you know, pretty out of control. And I remember thinking to myself, like, like I started out with a question, which is what's the key to knowing peace? What's the key to knowing like fulfillment? What's the key to being happy? Cause I didn't have anybody in my environment back then, uh, that represented any of those things. Um, and so I, I set out on a journey, ended up meeting a mentor, um, fast forward. I ended up traveling to different countries, studying internal training or meditation. You know, I traveled through India and Thailand and, You know, I went to Japan uh, studying internal training, meditation, ultimately met a psychologist uh, out in L.A., uh, studied psychology and a Harvard trained neuroscientist. And I started to understand uh, the mechanisms of of how we're built and why we do what we do and what drives us. And the psychologist I met in L.A., this is 20 years ago. So like internal training or meditation was very fringe then. It wasn't popular like it is today. And, you know, when I was working with, with her clients, um, I could get, you know, results in hours uh, and weeks. And these were individuals she worked with, uh, you know, decades that, that, that got stuck in a particular way. And so when she saw those results, she's like, you got to move out to LA. I'm going to set you up. I was like, I have no desire to live in LA. I was like, I lived in Wichita, Kansas. I was a real small town kind of guy. Actually it's called Andover, Kansas, but nobody knows what Andover is. So I always say Wichita. 
Um, and long story short, she convinced me to go out there. Um, and then I ended up there 12 years. That's how I got my start. It wasn't long before I was working with executives at Sony, uh, some famous actors, actresses, that kind of thing, pro athletes, because that just happened to be her clientele. And that's where I got my start. Um, fast forward, you know, my private practice was full. I had a waiting list of about, you know, 60 people on it at any, any given time. Uh, my clients started asking me to teach programs and seminars. I had no idea what a program was, uh, what a workshop was. So I just started teaching what I was teaching my clients on a weekend and invited people to come. Those quickly filled up. That turned into 40 programs a year. Uh, that turned into a book, The Inner Matrix, which I wrote. Um, and now we are where we are today, where, you know, about 80,000 people have been through our programs and trainings to date. So when you talk about personal development for high achievers, how is that different from someone that hasn't done what they want to do yet? Yeah, I think the mechanics of it are the same. Cause at the end of the day, when I look at mastery or, or developing oneself, it really, you know, comes down to focusing on three key aspects, you know, training, aligning and rewiring, uh, our emotions, our thought strategies and our nervous system. And so somebody who's just starting out, who, you know, is just looking to feel a little better, um, is going to really train those aspects of self in the same way a high achiever does. The difference I find is what they manage. So when I train entrepreneurs and business owners uh, or, or high you know, um, executives at a Fortune 100 or 500 company, the, the environment or the stress that they tend to manage is, is very different, right? The stress a pro athlete manages is just very different. And so they need a higher capacity over managing their, uh, their self than maybe you know, somebody who's just managing the ins and outs of life. So, yeah, I, as I mentioned before we recorded, I wrote a book called Balance Me, which the subtitle, The Realist Guide to a Successful Life. And one of the things I learned, you know, I'm, I'm coming up on 50 years old. I'm not old. I'm experienced at this point. But, um, you know, I, I, I learned along the way, and I have a whole chapter dedicated to this in the book, that the different personality styles that people have can often have a profound effect in the way that they approach everything as well as the way you need to approach them when working with them. Did you find anything in your studies or your experience that required different approaches and different plans and schedules and strategies based on the different personality types we all have? You know, what I found was that, that we all have a nervous system at the end of the day. And even though we have different personality types from a nervous system standpoint, from a neurology, uh, a neurological standpoint, uh, it, it's the same. Like the way I train my nervous system is going to be the same way you train your nervous system and same for everybody else. So what I love about, you know, what we do in the training that, that, that I've been up to for, for several decades now is if you do the training and the practice, you know, it's going to work, it's going to be effective regardless of, of personality type. And so as an, an example of that, right, everybody, although how we might process information, uh, or come to a decision may be a little bit different in terms of, of how we do that. We all have emotions and we all make emotional choices and decisions. As an example, um, people who think that they're rational thinkers or rational decision makers, you know, they're simply not like at the, at the underneath of the unconscious drivers there is, is emotion and, and feelings. And so, you know, I think most people today are very familiar with the concept of emotional intelligence and how, if we have this thing called emotional intelligence, it's going to help us. Um, we're going to succeed. We're going to, uh, lead better lives. But then where I find is, is that oftentimes it falls down in, well, what's the, what's the practical application of actually training 
emotional intelligence and developing, a, you know, a high de degree of, of emotional management skill, if you will. And if we're able to do that, then what we can do is essentially understand where our choices and decisions come from, and more importantly, change the driver behind those emotional decisions, whether it's as simple as I'm going to have, you know, water or soda for lunch, or it's a little bit more dynamic and you're going, huh, you know, recently in the, in the news, we've got, you know, a lot of my clients are managing layoffs and it's like, man, how do I manage, you know, the reality of laying off 15,000 people and losing 80% of my team? Like that's a, that's another emotional event, but those two events, should I have tea or water? Should I have soda or water for lunch? Or, you know, do I, who do I lay off today? Um, both those decisions originate from the same core, which is emotion. And so if we are overwhelmed or anxious, or we feel insecure in a moment, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to go for the soda, right? Quick, feel good. Uh, you're going to make not great decisions potentially when you're looking at how do I manage, you know, layoffs as an example, if I feel confident, if I feel empowered, uh, if I have a sense of optimism behind me, you know, I'm going to see the situation, the lay of land very differently, and I'm going to fundamentally make different decisions. And so, you know, higher uh, IQ and EQ really comes from emotional management that comes through training. And over time, we can, we can master this. So you, you've identified show up no matter what as a guiding principle in your personal development. And I mean, is that just the, is that just the, as, as straightforward as it sounds like without the effort, without a little bit of self-discipline, you, you, you don't stand a chance? I think so, for sure. You know, it's like, you know, when, when we commit to something and we want to achieve something, whether it's like, man, I'm going to start a new diet program or, you know, where I really learned this and, and took this on as a principle for myself was when I was a, a competitive martial artist. And my martial arts master actually had a, a rule for training. He had, he had a few key rules where these were like, they were like gospel. You could not break these rules if he was going to train you. And one of them was you always show up to train. And so I trained an average of six days a week back then. And, and we might train four hours a day pretty consistently. And when he said there was no excuse not to show up to train, he literally meant that. I thought it was like just this kind of cool idea. And I remember one time I had a, I was sick, I had a 102 degree temperature and I like tried to call into work, you know, like you call into work sick. I tried to call into training sick and I remember calling him and I go, sir, I can't, I can't make it in today. I got 102 degree temperature. He's like, great. I'll see you in an hour. And he knew I only lived about 15 minutes away. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, like, this guy is crazy. Like, does he actually expect me to show up in this condition? And sure enough, I went, I showed up, I got through the training, actually performed pretty well. Uh, I didn't feel great afterward, but, but I did it, right? And I remember another time I was injured, I, uh, I scraped the, the skin and the, and the muscle tissue off the bottom of my foot because I, I caught a board on it. And I thought to myself, man, there's no way I can, I can train today because I'm injured. And he's just like, well, you got tape? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, tape it and I'll see you in an hour. And I'm like thinking to myself, I can't even barely stand on my foot. How am I going to train? And sure enough, I show up and I train and I get through it. And I remember we were doing grappling and, and, you know, we we're doing an exercise where you had to run on the ball of your feet. And this, this excruciating searing pain started searing up my leg for the first maybe four minutes of training. And then it just kind of went numb and I got through my training and I ended up becoming a pretty decent athlete, uh, ended up winning three world championships consecutive. And today, when I look at, at my ability to show up, 
you know, it's like when I have 40 programs a year and I've got several hundred people in the audience waiting on me to show up, I can't call in sick. So there's been times I've taught a program with 104 degree temperature and performed, right? And there's been times when, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to show up. There's no part of me that felt like doing it, but I showed up. And it was the act of showing up that led to success. And the most important times I found w was to show up was when I didn't want to, when I had a resistance to it, when I felt like I couldn't, those were when the breakthroughs tended to happen. And so many people that I train, they tend to lean out at the very moment where if they lean in, they're going to have that breakthrough and they're going to see the outcome. And resilience in the truest sense is, is why high achievers become high achievers in, in the first place. They don't start out that way. They just sort of develop an ability to show up that is abnormal to most. Yeah, you know, I've spent a lot of time studying high achievers in these last few years. Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of my background. I worked in the music, long before I did entrepreneur stuff, I worked in the music industry. And with that, um, I got access to a lot of interesting people and a lot of practice oriented people, like what you're describing from the whole point of training with martial arts, whether you're a musician or a carpenter or an entrepreneur or anything. I, the the one thing I've learned is that success demands payment in advance. And those are the checks that you're writing. And that was the premise of my book, Balance Me. I've been, dude, I have been trying to prove this theory wrong for over a decade and I can't. Because, you know, you look at these people that have, you're like, wow, this person's got world-class talent or this person's a genius. And what you don't see on the backside of that is 10,000 hours of reps, you know? And I describe self-discipline as doing the things you need to do the most at the times that you want to do them the least, that's just showing up in some regards. But, you know, the, the thing that, that I found is that while there's a healthy dose of achievement, there's sometimes an unhealthy dose of obsession that goes with it. So, you know, I'll use an unnamed guitarist that many people may recognize. And I said, so what do you do? So what do you do all day? Well, I play guitar like all day. Okay. What do you do when you're not playing guitar? I'm thinking about playing guitar. <laughs> and you know, the thing I've learned is that a lot of these people that are quote high performers, they're really just kind of obsessed and nutty with some of it, which is all right. I mean, they're obviously doing something with it, but is it, what have you found for like these higher, high performing people? And, and can you prove the theory of success demanding payment in advance as being wrong? Yeah, I have i I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, success definitely demands payment in advance 100%, right? Like, like across the board, whether it's an athlete, whether it's a you know, growing a business, just whether it's a, a relationship, like it just doesn't matter. Um, you got to, you got to do the time, so to speak. In regard to obsession, what I, what I have found is that high achievers uh, tend to focus obsession, whereas most people are unconsciously obsessed. And so if we really look at how a lot of people drive their life, um, a lot of people are obsessed about TV or they're obsessed about their Facebook and their widgets on their phone. And if we look at the amount of time that, you know, an average person engages something, 
we're all engaging something and dedicating a lot of time to it. We're not doing typically a lot of different things. And so what I find is that high achievers find a way to lev get leverage on themselves and manage their emotion to a degree where they can show up 90% of the time, right? Um, and basically channel or focus that obsession in the reality that they know is going to ultimately produce the result they're looking for. And, 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 and I find that's the big distinction. I think all people are obsessed. Like I found all people are obsessed. Some people's obsessions are getting in their way of what they want. And some people's obsessions are producing what they want. And in the high achievers case, like, like to your point, some people are, are obsessed to a point where they're producing what they want in one space of life but they've not necessarily trained the mental strategy or the fortitude to, to sort of redirect the focus and obsession so that they're producing what they want in all aspects of their life, finance, relationship, money, and health. Yeah, I found that it, my, my theory was that everything kind of breaks down into your personal, your professional, your physical life. And you have 100% of your own effort. Where are you going to divide it up? And you mentioned like, I, don't, I, I didn't do courses. And so I've done a few of them, not, not to the, certainly nowhere near the degree that you have, but then you always get the one person that, so I would start and I'd say like, put right down, you get a hundred points, right down where your efforts go. And then I always get one person that would put 110 down and they'd be like, I give 110%. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if you can do that. But the but uh -huh. part, of, part of my, what, what I found is that if you, if you ignore or over invest in one of those categories, personal, professional, physical, the world comes back to claim. Like it, 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 there's a balancing act that occurs and mm -hmm. it's usually professional because you get these people that 90% of their effort is professional and then they end up with physical or personal issues and, you know, and this sounds kind of morbid, but it's hard to run your business when you're in the hospital or when you're going through a divorce or something yeah. like that. So there's some very interesting balancers that come in. And by the way, you talk about the, the term obsession. I also found that there's a whole lot, a lot, a whole, a lot of that's an outside perspective because I'll ask people questions like, well, I'll ask you, like, what's the difference between genius and crazy? Focus, intentional focus I mean, is what I would say. The best and answer results. I've ever had is who cares? Because like <laughs> and I, and someone said that to me and I was like, what do you mean? Who cares? Well, that's someone else's opinion. So you can't yeah. focus on that. I was like, all right, that's a good one. But yeah, there's all these borderline terms like with, are you driven? Or are you obsessed? You know, sure. like all these, I, it just kind of depends on, on who you ask. Uh, speaking of asking, if you have been asking yourself how you're going to find expert software developers, just know that it doesn't need to be that difficult, especially when you visit FullScale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the FullScale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Go to FullScale.io to learn more. While you're down there clicking links, click that link for Matrix Systems and learn more about Joey Clark program. It's clearly got a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, it, it, all right. Speaking of interesting, some people are interested in personal development and some people aren't. I think that's the one thing I learned from putting out a book on the subject. Um, it, you know, but, but at the same time, I find that the people that aren't really interested in personal development kind of have, are kind of like the sour underachievers. <clears throat> that I run into that, oh, no, no, that shit works. I don't need any of that, blah, 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 blah. And they're kind of like 
I find that they're kind of ironically proving the point of why they do need it, why they're, why they're, uh, you know, going through this. So when it comes to training people and people's biggest problems are usually ourselves, how do you break through some of those layers and determine what you need to improve about yourself and what you might be okay with? For me, it's all, you know, it's all result driven, right? So if I have the results and, and the outcomes that I want in my life and, and, and I can honestly and, and authentically say that, then I know I'm good. If there is an aspect of my life where I just fundamentally do not have the result I want, that has to do with who I am being with myself day in and day out and, and the habits and the, the things that I'm doing day in and day out, right? Because our current results are the byproduct of our past behaviors and actions. And for me, pattern behavior starts with emotion and then we think about stuff and then we end up, you know, taking action. We say things, we make choices, we make decisions, we, we do things. And then we repeat those same emotions, thoughts, and actions, emotions, thoughts, and actions again and again and again and again. And then just like anything has a compounding effect that we do over and over again, it, it turns into the result. And so our current results or whatever our, our, our life looks like today, the good, the bad, you know, you know, whatever that may be based on our opinion is, is the byproduct of what we've done. And so if I look at an aspect of my life and I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. I really like the result I'm getting here. You can reverse engineer that if you know how, and you can go, oh, it was driven by these emotions, these thoughts, and then these actions that I took consistently over time. And now I rendered this outcome, this result. Same thing. If I got a result I don't like in my life, I can reverse engineer that if I know how and I can go, oh, well, I'm feeling this way and I'm making these choices, decisions, and, and, and this is how I'm thinking about it. And these are the actions I'm taking. And this is what I do again and again and again. And it's rendering these results. And so for me, the art of personal development is really just the, the, in the truest sense to actually learn to be self-aware and break ourselves down and go, oh, here is the way I'm driving and why it's producing this result. And then if we get clear on the result we want, we alter the way of driving and who we're being with ourselves and the actions we take on a daily basis to produce the new results and outcomes that, that we want. Like, I, I know I oversimplify that, but that really is what, it, what personal development is in the truest sense. Well, you talk about the results, the results can be positive or negative. And that's part of why the martial arts instructor wouldn't let you call in because you call in one day, it's easier to call in the next day. And now you have a different kind of habit forming and you're still going to end up with a result. When, no matter what you try and what you do, you end up with a result, you know, and, and whether that's the outcome you wanted or not, uh, sometimes it's up to you. And sometimes it's not, I'm not a believer in luck. You know, I think that people say, well, what about the guy that won the lottery? Well, he prepared by buying a ticket and the opportunity came up when they had a drawing, you know, right. like, oh, oh, what about, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, yeah. And sure. There are some, some fringe things that require, that require uh, maybe a little more explanation. You know, you talk about so much of things. I, I liked what, I like the way you put the emotional side of things. Cause all right. So touchy subject for some people, but you could look at someone that might drink too much. And you talked about having that issue earlier. I've been through that myself, you know, I've gone through a lot of different stuff, but the binary answer to that is you drink or you don't drink. It's all the things that are above it in the funnel mm -hmm. and that, that complicate stuff. That's our own emotions, our most, our own situations. But, you know, I don't think you're oversimplifying anything because really in the end, it's like you do or you don't. Now I've had a bunch of people get 
really shitty with me about this, Joey. And they're like, yeah, but there's so much more to consider. I'm like, yeah, I know, but you got to get through that. I like the reverse engineering comparison. I use that a lot. I tell people that if you want to get a result, no matter how big or small it is, start with where you want to be and you kind of work backwards. I think one of the things you talk about the, the, the neurological components and our own thought process, you know, there are things that your mind just can't wrap itself around. So break up these tasks into like pe- people, oh, I want to lose 50 pounds. You don't lose 50 pounds all at once, man. You do it technically like ounces and calories at a time. So your mind doesn't really wrap yourself around that kind of progress, that kind of, that kind of achievement, or, you know, one of the biggest goals people have is to buy a home. Uh, buying a home is not a singular task. There's like a hundred, a hundred things that you have to do along the way. So if you can take the time that you're spending uh, you mentioned obsession. All right. So gaming is one of like, oh my God, the p- people that play freaking video games, you could just about have a master's degree in the amount of time that so many people spend playing video games. And so you learn how to replace the, the low value activity with something that moves you towards your goals and any action that moves you towards your goals or even, and, and hopefully even more than one of your goals is high value. Low value is junk. That's watching TV. That's playing video games. That's getting drunk. And that, by the way, that can take a couple of days. It's obviously the, does, do you make the best, did you make the best decisions you'd ever made when you were drinking? Cause I don't think any of us do, right? Nope. Nope. I almost landed myself in prison several times. Because of decisions I made when I was not in a, a sober state, for sure. Like right. it is, that is not a good decision-making plan, right. for sure. So you often get to clean up the mess afterward. And, right. You know, these are, but this is back to, like you said, to focus. And if you're focused on, if your life is busy focusing on cleanup efforts, you never really get a time to build anything cool out of it. So, yeah. I mean, all right. So... Let's just say like anyone that's listening, it's like, okay, these guys have been successful. They've written books, they've started companies, they've done this, but what about me? Where do I start? Where does anybody start when it comes to personal development? For me, it it starts with the commitment to the outcome. You know, a lot of people, they, they look at me today or they'll meet me at a, at a program that I'm facilitating. Right. And they see me on stage and, there's several hundred people there or whatever it is. Right. Um, and, and they have this idea of who I am today and it's almost like disbelief or they, they, they forget that I didn't start here. Right. I really started, you know, when I started, I didn't have uh, a trust fund. I didn't have affluence around me. My, my family was not wealthy. Right. Our family vacations every year were going to the plot of land that my family lived on. Um, and everybody lived in the trailer houses, right? That they could, cause that, that's how everybody could afford to live and that kind of thing. And so there, there was like basic needs were met, but that was about it. Like we didn't really have much beyond and, and above and beyond that. Like I never took vacations. Um, I never stayed in a nice hotel growing up, uh, of any kind. What I mean by nice hotel is like, I remember one time staying in a hotel, it was a motel six. And that was the only time I even remember staying in a hotel when I was a kid. Uh, just because we couldn't, we didn't do those things. Right. And, and I was surrounded by, uh, you know, individuals who are not emotionally intelligent, a lot of fighting, a lot of anger, a lot of violence, that kind of stuff. And so I didn't have the environment 
that would dictate I would be who I am today. But I remember the moment that, that really the journey began was the moment I just decided and made a commitment to the outcome of, of living differently than I was, right? Hey, I want to know peace. I want to know happiness. I want to be successful. I want to figure out how to make relationship work. It, it starts with the commitment to the outcome. And then the second commitment is, okay, well, what am I going to stop doing that's never going to produce that outcome? Because before I knew what to do to produce the results I have today, I just started looking around me, kind of like to your point about drinking. And I went, man, drinking and partying and the drugs is, is producing nothing but chaos and pain. And so one and one is two here. Stop doing that, even though I don't really know what else to do yet. And I'm just going to stop doing that. And then it was like, man, when I'm around these people, I make bad choices. So I'm going to stop hanging around those people. And I made a lot of choices to stop doing stuff because I didn't know what else to do. But it was very clear, like, if I keep doing this, I'm going to keep getting the result. So I think a lot of people, they go, man, what, do I, what am I supposed to do? And they think the answer is supposed to be there on how to bridge the gap. But I find you got to first create room. You got to first go, what am I doing that's never going to get this result I say I'm committed to? And we got to stop doing that. And whether you call it the universe or, or maybe it's our own intuition, starts to pay attention to different things. And all of a sudden, new options start to occur organically. And then it's just a matter of going, man, that's different. And it has the potential to take me where I want to go. I'm going to invest in that thing. And, and it really is just doing that a little bit more every single day until you know some, some time compounds and you start getting some cool results. You know, one of the, I think the hardest things is oftentimes those people are your own family. True. Yeah. yeah a lot and of times they start yeah. with family and friends, right? Like the people yeah. that we think should be our cheerleaders and should be yeah. there. Like I remember when I told my parents, uh, I was going to go study with my first mentor and I was moving out of the state and I was quitting school. A lot of curse words came out of my mom's mouth. She was really displeased. My dad went silent. Whenever my dad went silent, I knew that was that he was really upset. He was really angry, you know, disappointed. My best friends were like, what do you mean you're moving? Man, they were super angry with me. Um, but I was in an environment that was so dysfunctional. I knew if I didn't just completely extricate myself that I was going to go nowhere and I was just going to get caught back in there. So I remember when I first started to make new decisions and move toward a different reality that was good for me, uh, I had no support. And, and, and I just was committed to the outcome that I knew was important to me today. I've got some family that supports, but even today I've got a lot of family that, you know, doesn't understand what I do and, and you gotta be okay with that at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I, for me personally, and this has gone on for a very long time, you, you got to get away from people that are dragging you down and, you know, I, I certainly am not the inventor of this theory, but, you know, many people believe that you are the sum or the average of the five people that you spend the most time around. And I've gotten real picky about that. You know, there's some, I just limit myself. I've <clears throat> created kind of a self-defense mechanism for getting me away from negative people. And there's a lot of them, man. There really are a lot of them, but, you know, people that, are negative or so seeds of doubt are without a doubt going to be a tether to your ability to ascend to the places that you want to get to. And, um, you know, not, not only do those people have the ability to slow that progress, they can just knock you out of the sky as you're rising. And you know, I, I described so many people like that as, you know, that deflating feeling. 
And if you're around people that are constantly deflating, you got to do something to change that because it's just like, I don't know, unless you like constantly running up steep inclines. And there are a few people that like that. Next, last, last I checked though, uh, it's a lot easier to kind of cruise on the bike once you get over the top of the mountain. You know, speaking of the of the mountain, I think one of the more profound things that someone had said to me when I was younger, they said, you know, I was trying to do all this stuff and I was just trying to get it all done myself. And someone said, you know, Matt, what's easier, you know, trying to climb the mountain by yourself or asking those that are on top to pull you up. And Ever since then, I spent a lot of time looking up and trying to find people that had done the things that I wanted to do or were good at certain things. And I just went out of my way to ask them to talk to me. And, you know, honestly, some of them ignored me. More probably didn't. And I found that there is a level of knowledge transfer, especially amongst entrepreneurs. I know in some industries, you talk about obsessed. I watch a bunch of gold mining shows on TV. And I actually watch it because I find, I find it to be interesting how much effort, energy, and commitment these people and risk these people go through to find a piece of gold. That's like the size of a grain of sand. Right. But, you know, but but another thing too, is like, if there's no gold in the ground, you're not going to find it. So, you know, like, anyway, you get getting into this, getting into this discipline and, you know, the gold miners don't like to share their secrets with each other, which is strange. Now, I find that entrepreneurs do. Um, I know that uh, there is, and I'd like to hear your take on this because when I was younger, people took an interest in me and I was just like, God, why does this person even care? You know, why are they interested in what I do? And I think that uh, along the way, a lot of them saw a, a younger version of themselves with me, but I found that the easier I made it for people to help me, the more help I got, the more I asked people, the more help I got. And the more I appreciated the help, the more help I got. Did mm-hmm. you have a similar path with people? It sounds like you had some mentors along the way that took interest in you. Yeah. I think that some people have this idea that, that, that like this idea of being self-made and I've never met a self-made person, mm. unquote. not, not somebody who's created something really outstanding. Like, like every single person I've ever met or, you know, had the opportunity to interact with. And I asked them like, 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 how did you get here? Everybody had somebody that they were, were, were grateful to, or that they acknowledged as a key reason they were where they were. And I'm definitely in that camp. Like, like I would not be who I am or capable of the things that I'm capable of if it wasn't for some really extraordinary people and mentors who were willing to take me under their wing and just really, you know, teach me what they knew for the sake of it, because I didn't have anything to give, especially when my first mentors took me under their wings. Um, and, and they were just happy to serve for the sake of service. And I think that's, it's like counterintuitive. What I find is that the, the most successful people in the world, the highest achieving people in the world are the most gracious and they are the most generous and they are, they're willing to give of their time, uh, to places that are, are willing to invest in that knowledge and that time being given. They're not going to waste their time with somebody that doesn't want to learn and grow and, and leverage what they're giving. Um, but they are more generous than, uh, than anybody you'll ever meet. And that is why they've gotten where they are. Um, and I find that it's a fulfillment thing. Like individuals who are most fulfilled are giving back and they're contributing and they're, they're supporting the growth of others. 
And, and that has a cyclical effect where when we are giving and contributing to other people, it's almost like you're, you're making a communication and you're saying, I'm ready to receive. It, it's very counterintuitive where so many people think, man, if I give too much, I'm going to run out, right? And those individuals struggle. Those individuals, I find, never achieve high, high success unless they can get, get beyond that space uh, thinking that things are limited. And when we go to the place of like, man, things are not limited. I can give of myself freely and fully, and I can contribute to the success and growth of other people um, for the sake of it. And because I, I bettered uh, another human being's life and I get to see them grow and change and evolve, uh, that has a way of not only coming back to you, but I think the, the act of that really does declare that you are aligned with receiving. It's almost like, I think you said earlier about balancing how you know, the universe tends to balance things out in some way. And you're referring to this idea of like, like, man, if I really achieve business and I ignore my body, my body's going to let me know about it. And then it's going to hinder my business. Right. And I think the universe inherently somehow knows, uh, this is my belief or my experience is that if it knows that I'm out there contributing to the whole, it's going to support me to continue to contribute to the whole for the well-being of, of people, of, of the group, of, of community. And if I'm, you know, a hindrance on that, the universe, you know, same, same, or, or other people or communities tend to know that. And I'm going to get isolated a little bit. You know, you, you mentioned the self-made thing. And the reason that's a myth is the people that you're looking at, they are quote self-made have built something that's bigger than they are. And you inherently need other people to do it. You know, there's just that I think one of the, uh, that you talk about these, these, kind of obvious statements, all you can do is all you can do. So you got to get people around you that can be good supporting cast members and, and also, you know, hold you accountable. I think that you get back into that. Like I published a, a reel on Facebook a couple of weeks ago talking about how all-star companies have all-star rosters because, you know, if you, they, they these all-star people bring each other up and, and, you know, hold each other accountable. And I think you get the right people around you. No one wants to be the worst player on the team. Um, so, yeah. you know, you have this way of kind of bringing things up, you know, there's one more thing and I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. I think when it comes to personal development or change, you know, first off, change is difficult. Change is, is difficult for everybody. Um, it is easier for some and almost impossible for others, but uh, but still difficult for all of us. Uh, but I think the one thing the, and we're speaking of myths, and I think a myth that so many people get caught up in is the right time myth. Like it's not the right time for me to change this. It's not the right time for me to start a business. It's not the right time for me to start a diet. It's not the right time for me to blah blah blah. You're sitting around. If you catch yourself saying that, you're lying to yourself. They're, the right time never comes. I can't look back at uh, and sure sometimes may be better than others. But if you're waiting for the exact right time, you're going to find that you're probably going to wait a lifetime because that really is just a way that, that I find that, that people justify why they're not doing what they want to do or getting what they want to get. Yeah, I agree 100%. The only right time is right now to move toward yeah. the reality that you want to create because it's the only time we actually have, right? It's interesting because like when I, when, if you were to give somebody... Um, and I often ask people a question like, man, if I gave you $10,000, you know, what would you do with that? And most people, the first thing that they would do, if I gave, just gave them $10,000, 
is they would stop to consider what they're going to do with it, right? They would go, huh, what am I going to spend it on? Should I invest this? Are there people I want to give it to? They would think about how am I going to leverage this resource of money? But you give somebody 10,000 hours of time and very few people stop to really consider how they're managing and spending their time or how they're investing it, right? The average person goes through a day and they could just burn time without even thinking about it. Like you were mentioning, you know, video games, right? If they stop to consider what's this investment of time going to render me, it's like throwing $100 bills just down the toilet. You know what I'm saying? And just flushing yeah. it. And nobody would ever do that because they see that there's this inherent value in money. But what I find is that the average person relates to time as though it's infinite and, and not that important. And therefore, they tend to waste a lot of it simply because we don't stop to go, wait a minute, how am I managing this time? How am I investing it? And if I do this thing 30 minutes every day, what's that going to produce? What, what outcome does that create? If I do this two hours a day, some people play video games or watch TV, four hours a night is the average a person watches television every evening. It's like, man, like break it down to one hour a night, take three hours to start developing a talent in the space that you want to produce some great result in, start a new business or whatever it might be, uh, you know, get healthy and start studying nutrition, start studying, you know, exercise, things like this. And think of, of time as, as a resource that you're investing, because the reality is the highest performers in the world know that their time is more valuable than anything else because you can't get more of it back. And we all like, no matter if you're a billionaire or, or you, you know, are in poverty, those two individuals have the same amount of time. We all have a clicking clock. Like maybe we make it to a hundred, but nobody right now gets to see 300 because they're wealthy. And so the one thing, the one equalizer is truly time. And the way we invest that, the way we relate to it determines different outcomes. All high achievers are immediate action takers. Like if there's something that they see they could do to better their life or they see an opportunity, they do not stop and sit on that for a week, for a day, for a month and think about it. They, they, are, they are in execution right away. Whereas people who tend to, you know, answer to the same day again and again and again, and their life doesn't really evolve and change, um, they tend to relate to reality of time as though they have as much of it as they want. Yeah, I totally agree with you, man. I totally agree with you. All right. So here we are. We're at the end of another episode of Startup Hustle. We're, it's about time for the founder's freestyle where Joey and I are going to go over. Well, you never know what could happen. Maybe he'll sing. Maybe he'll rap. Who knows? Maybe we'll rap. I don't think that'll probably happen, but I, I, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave it open in a world of possibilities. What else is possible is finding and hiring software engineers, testers, and leaders when you go to FullScale.io, where we have the people in the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. All you need to do is go to FullScale.io, answer a few questions, let our platform match you up with our fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. At FullScale, we specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you go to FullScale.io. Once again, with me today, was Joey Klein, CEO and founder of Intermatrix Systems, specializing in personal development, personal training and coaching. Go to intermatrixsystems.com. There's a link for that in the show notes. And Joey, like looking back, we, we went over a lot of stuff today. What stood out? Or, what do, you, or, or do you want to wrap? We can wrap. Yep. Happy to, happy to name what's today. I think it was interesting. I'm not rapping. I'm not rapping. I'm not a rapper. I'll practice this skill some other day. 
Yeah, well, I, I need 5,000 hours of practice on that before I'm going to, you know, and I'm still going to probably be bad. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, as we were going back and forth, I think a couple things that, 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 that just occurred to me uh, was number one, get clear on the outcome that one wants to commit to, like commit to that result in the, in the truest sense and don't wait, like, like start moving toward that reality today. And it can really be as simple as starting with, well, what am I doing currently that's never going to produce that result? And let's, let's start taking some time from there and create an opening to start investing in new things. Because so many people I hear say, I just don't have time to do X. I don't have time to do Y. You don't have time to not make time. And the way we make time is to do a little assessment and go, wow, what is it that I'm currently investing in? Uh, that will never render new outcomes and results that I really want to have in my life. And let's borrow the time from there. Let's take a half hour a day or hour a day, stop that and start executing in a new way with, with a, uh, with a trust that it's going to occur and it's going to happen and, and do so by showing up, right? Like commit to showing up that half hour, that hour every day that's going to produce, or you're going to build the skill to produce a new outcome and do it every single day. Like don't miss uh, and, and see where it takes you. You know, I think Nike got it right when they said, just do it, you know, and, so and, good. and I quote Nike a lot on that and, uh, <laughs> and cause it's right. You know, you just got to get up and do it. I, and I think a couple of things that stood out and that I relate them to my own situation is, you know, sometimes people are like, Oh dude, your business has been successful. Your podcast is off the charts, blah, blah, blah. You're so lucky. Now, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> trust me, it was, it was many, many years in the making to do that. But, you know, there, we, I think for all of us, like there's still levels that I'm trying to get to. There are still things that I'm trying to do, things I'm trying to understand, battles I'm trying to win, battles I'm trying not to lose. And, and with that, like no one's perfect with any of this stuff. Like, I mean, my, my history and my timeline is riddled with errors and mistakes. That's part of what you learn from, part of what you try to figure out along the way. I think that the conversation today about reverse engineering is like, make it simple. You're like, yeah, but I'm going to be missing steps. We all are. We all are. There's things that we figure out along the journey and along the way that we didn't even anticipate we needed to figure out and learn. And I think that's what makes it fun. You know, find other people to surround you that are motivated, that want positive outcomes and change. Like be a can-do person, not a can't-do person. I think if you look for telltale signs of, uh, well, that's always the way we've done it. We're waiting for the right time. These aren't good things. These aren't things that these aren't things that innovative companies, people, and leaders say. You know, like yeah. constantly looking for change. I, I drive people that work with me freaking nuts because I'm always looking. I'm like, we could probably do this better, faster, or cheaper. And then another <laughs> thing too is like with time, like time is finite. You're going to get so much of it. If you have a solution for the 28 hour day, reach out, I'll fund you. We'll become the richest people in the world because no one can make more of it. So choose how you use it. Learn to say no to things, man. Understand what opportunity cost is. Like when I choose one thing, you're giving up another thing. And remember the more things you say yes to, it's just more weight 
that you add in the backpack that you have to carry around with you everywhere you go. And that stuff can weigh you down. So sometimes the best thing you can do is say no. Sometimes the best decision you can make is to stop doing something, especially when it comes to efficiency. Whenever we look at a process at full scale, we say, do we even need to do this at all? And a lot of, you know, most of the time we're like, yeah, we do. Okay. All right. But a lot of times we're like, no, why are we doing it? You know, I have a very, uh, you know, I don't have enough time, but I have a fun story about an old process we had at a business that was prevented, that was there to prevent loss. Well, we sat down and did the math on it. We were spending four times more preventing the loss than the cost of the loss when it actually occurred. So stop doing it. We were actually losing four times more trying to prevent a 1x loss if and when it ever occurred. But this comes from a constant state of review and be okay with change. Look, it's scary for everyone. It's different for everyone. But man, it sure does feel good when you get it right. Hey, make sure you go to intermatrixsystems.com. Check out Joey's books and, and classes and coaching and stuff like that. If you're having a hard time you know, I, I work with a coach. Um, I, I have a mindfulness coach. That's where that's where I'm at. People are like, oh, I, I I bet if you're an ideas guy, what's that like? I'm like, it sucks. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, my brain sounds like a blender full of bottle caps on high on a lot of days. So we all have something that we need to to figure out. So just do it. Get busy figuring it out, Joey. I'll catch up with you down the road, my friend. Thanks for all the wisdom, advice, and input today. Thanks. It's great being here, man. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.